Many of us in this room this morning at one point in our lives have had some type of good news to share. Good news isn't necessarily just a a word associated with the church. When I think about my own life, I think of my son, Ricky Lee, who many of you know. Um, He was born in 2015, September. But, you know, leading up to his birth, uh, we were told by many doctors that we couldn't have kids for years. You know, my wife and I started dating. I was 15 years old at the time. And I remember her telling me even then, you know, the likelihood is I'll never be able to have children. And so uh, we went, we drove down uh, from Fort Myers down to Fort Lauderdale to visit with a doctor, a specialist. And he said, do X, Y, Z, gave us some medication. Next thing we know, we're pregnant for Ricky Lee. And we were so excited that we didn't even wait four weeks before we told the whole world that Amanda had conceived our son, Ricky Lee, now. Four weeks. That's pretty early. Most people wait a little bit longer. But we were excited. We were thrilled that we would have a child. Uh, And so when I think of this morning's message, the point here, is we're talking about sharing the good news So I want us to think about in our own lives, what are some things that we are excited to share about? Perhaps it's a change of jobs. I mean, over the years, I've had many opportunities to work, and some of those have been really exciting. Moves across the country. I know when I got called here two years ago, I was so excited to be able to come back home to Florida Uh, to be near my family members. And so, again, once again, we shared with the whole world that we were moving back home. Uh, And so those have been some of the highlights of of exciting times in my life. Um, But sharing the gospel is is complicated. And often we feel uh, unequipped. And the gospel simply means the good news of Jesus, right? And so... Uh, I think of my freshman year of, of Bible college. Uh, has anybody been to New Orleans before? Anybody in this room? It's a great place to visit. Um, and so I'm from New Orleans, um, and actually the swamp south of there. But uh, during my college years, we moved to the city, and I lived on the dorms uh, on campus at the Baptist Seminary. And they taught me a new way to share my faith, which was completely uncomfortable for me. See, I grew up in the Methodist church, and we were never taught to go out and preach on the streets or to tell others about Jesus. In fact, it was mostly just about having coffee with people and talking about God, which is okay. You can do that too. Both are okay. Um, But we went out at about 10 o'clock at night. I was 17 years old, 18, uh, and we would meet at the Hardin Student Center, and we would drive downtown to the city, and we would go to Jackson Square. And Jackson Square is the city, the town center. Uh, St. Louis Cathedral is a very famous Catholic church there. And it sits in the back. Uh, and around the square at that time of the night, you see a lot of voodoo being practiced, uh, terror cards being handed out, witchcraft being performed, you name it. It's a scary, kind of a scary place to be. Uh, but I will tell you one exciting thing is the best music I have ever heard in my life was played at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at midnight by these homeless people that were around Jackson Square. It was fantastic. Uh, But my Baptist colleagues uh, said, you know, we need to share who Jesus is with these people. 
And there was a reason why. These people were hurting. A lot of them uh, were homeless uh, based on, you know, uh, addiction issues in their life, alcoholism, drug addicts, uh, gambling addictions. New Orleans is big on gambling, as many of you could think of. Um, and so these people lost it all. And it was a very hands-on approach to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. But, you know, it wasn't, there's no, been, there hasn't been any more exciting time than being able to sit down with somebody at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. They, they are drunk, they stink, they smell. But you can tell them about who Jesus is, that Jesus loves them, that Jesus wishes to redeem them from their life's issues. And I'll never, ever forget those nights. And when I think about even the city we live in today here in Palm Beach County, again, I'm from a small town. When I moved here to Lake Worth, which I, to me is a big town, okay? I know it's not the biggest area, but this metropolitan area was scary to me. It's huge. I, I don't know what it is to live, you know, two minutes from Walmart and five minutes from Target and the grocery stores right here. But in the same sense, you have all the dysfunction that you have with the city. And I love being a, a pastor here and being able to help influence our community to look at Jesus for our answers. So the first point we're going to look at this morning is Jesus commands us to, to share our faith. 100% Jesus commands us. And our scripture this morning, he said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to every creature. Go and proclaim the good news to every creature. So it's very easy in North American Christianity, um, in a developed country, to just show up to church and kind of um, fulfill our holy obligation, as old school Christians would call it, right? We fulfill our, our obligation to come to church. That's the most simple way of living out our faith. And I believe God um, will forgive us for that. But there's more. I mean, Jesus makes it very clear here to us that sharing our faith with those around us in our communities is an expectation that he has on us. And as a pastor, I mean, of course, that can be easy for me to say, right? It's like my job to tell people about Jesus. I mean, it's my vocation. Uh, and so many of you are not in that situation. And my hope to share my faith is not to grow Advent Lantana. That's, that's not my goal. My goal is, is there's people out in this world that need to hear Jesus. And whatever church they end up at is the church they end up at. And I also believe that there's, there's beauty in being part of a body of believers. Yes, you can, you can be a Christian and not go to church. But I feel that you need a place to help develop you as a believer. It's a very harsh place to live today, to be a Christian, and not to have a body of believers with you. So if, if it's your first time here or you've been here a while, I just encourage you to you know, share your faith for that reason. Because there are people that need to hear the gospel. And encourage those people to find a, a place where they can be built up. Our second point this morning is the world needs it. And we, we look at uh, what's going on in our society today. Uh, most, 
significantly, I'm, I'm thinking of the bombings over there in India uh, of the churches. Uh, we look in China, and we see the Chinese government murdering pastors and tearing down churches. I mean, it's so foreign to us in this country. I mean, I, I feel safe for the most part coming to church. And uh, even though I will admit, we have some family events uh, on this property, and I hire security to come and, and help uh, because there is risk of being a believer in this country. Um, but the world, the world needs Jesus, just like he needed him 2,000 years ago. The message has stayed the same. And we have to stand our ground as believers. We have to not live in fear. We have to be able to go out into the world and that is hurting. I mean, again, we, we have people I know within this room, within this community. We have a, a church that meets here called Recovery Church on Thursday nights. Many of you know of this. And Recovery Church ministers to people going through active rehab. Um, and it's completely faith-based. It's about Christ and how Christ heals in those situations. But this gives us an example that there are hurting people in the community. It's often easy for us to close our eyes and act like it's not around us. And I can tell you what, when I was growing up in my own situation where my family members had addiction issues and things going on in their life, the church sometimes just looked forward and they didn't really look at us. You know what I mean? They, they knew there was an issue there, but they never really reached out. And so I hope as a body of faith here that we reach out that we get involved in people's lives. I mean, that's what they need us for. It's great to come and worship God, but the book of James also tells us that faith without works is dead. And so we have to, because of our faith, have outward fruits. We're not gonna earn our way to heaven. Don't hear that this morning. But we have to have fruits. We have to have good works that are because of our faith. And so I believe part of them, them good works are reaching out to the community that we live in, helping people who are lost know Jesus, helping people that are alcoholics figure out a way to stop drinking, people that are, are doing drugs to stop doing drugs, people that are gambling provide for their family, people that are struggling with uh, addictions to their cell phones. I mean, I can't be the only one in this room who often gets on their phone at nighttime for about four or five hours and just scrolls on their phone. I, if I am then that, that's a real issue. Uh, but I do. There is many nights that I just take my phone out and I don't want to do anything else but just sit there in bed and do nothing. And uh, maybe, I, maybe my brain needs that once in a while, but it can become an addiction. It really can. And so we as the church have to do something about it. It's our job. And I think it starts with telling people about Christ. And when we're excited about Jesus, like I was excited about the conception of my child, that sharing our faith just becomes part of who we are. It's natural. When people are hurting, you tell them about Jesus. Hey, do you know there's a guy that, you know, he, uh, he lived 2,000 years ago, and uh, he died on a cross for you, and they might think that's completely crazy. I mean, I've been in the store. I was talking to a cashier once, and she had a cross on her neck, and I and I asked her where she went to church. You know, she was a Christian. No, she just liked the jewelry on her neck. 
It's a beautiful piece of jewelry that she had, you know, passed down from her grandma, but she didn't know what it meant. There was no meaning behind wearing it. But it becomes an opportunity to share our faith. See, lastly, um, let me quote the scripture here. The world needs it. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. These signs will be associated with those who believe. They will throw out demons in my name. That talks about some of the issues we just spoke about, addictions, struggles. Uh, It could mean a physical demon, but I haven't seen that lately. And they will speak in new languages. Now, when that happens to you, it will scare you, but it could happen. And they will pick up snakes with their hands, and if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. Now, we're not going to do that here at this church, so... Uh, but it does say that in the scripture, right, this morning, that we can drink poison and it won't hurt us. So lastly this morning, um, the scripture tells us it's an act of love. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't want to be responsible for any person not knowing Jesus. That's a big responsibility. Now, when I, the best example that I can have of this is when I taught school, and I know I've shared it before, but, you know, I, I'd pray with students on a regular basis in the hallways, in front of administrators. And as a public school teacher in the state of Florida, I am positive I could have been fired for it. Now, I was in a small town, so it was a little bit more acceptable. They still pray before the football games there, uh, which is a, a wonderful thing. Um, but we definitely had some some uh, administrators that did not like me praying with students, and they made it very clear. But we would pray for these kids and their family situations, and they would come to me. I mean, I remember one example, this kid, both of his parents had died uh, living with grandma and grandpa. Uh, His parents were, were drug addicts, and we would pray almost every day, every single day. And I shared the gospel with him, you know, that Jesus loved him. And uh, he started going to church, and, and he's still in church today. We have to be able to risk it all. And it's, it's super, uh, super hard to say that. I mean, when it comes to our livelihood and risking our livelihood to share the gospel, that's hard. But the gospels tell us, uh, Jesus says, you know, what, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he says, you know, you give up everything and sell it and follow me. So we either have to take that seriously, what Jesus had to say, or we had to just dismiss it and say, well, that's nice for him to say that, but I don't really, I don't really care for it. I'm not going to follow it. And so this morning, if we really love people, we have to be willing to sacrifice. Think of my in-laws. Um, and so back home, I remember I started dating my wife. I was 15 years old, and uh, I was called to ministry at 16 and so I remember going to a family function, and there was a lot of people in our family who, uh, what's the nice way to say this? They were Christians, but they were like, they only went to church maybe twice a year. And I remember talking to them about God, and my mama-in-law would tell me, that's my wife's grandmother, you don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics at a family function. Has anybody heard this? No politics and no religion. If that's only a rule in my family, then I guess we're the weird ones. But 
I decided, you know what, if they bring it up, I'm going to talk to them about it. And I was a snotty teenage kid, you know, I thought he knew everything. But some of the family members stopped talking to me because I shared the gospel with them. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, if I don't never talk to them ever, ever again, I hope when we die one day and we go to eternity, they'll be in heaven with me and God. I hope that I'll see them on the other side. And again, my faith is not driven by the exit plan. The exit plan being heaven or hell. To me as a Christian, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is, as we will say in the Lord's Prayer, we bring heaven to earth. But I like to have some assurance that when I die, I'm going to be with God in paradise. And I have that assurance. I didn't always. I used to think, you know, if I commit a lie, I get in a car accident, and I don't say sorry to God beforehand, I'm going to hell. That's what I, that's what I thought, what I grew up with. Uh, but I believe that God loves me so much that he forgave my sins. And when I accepted Jesus, when I was baptized, that, that the Lord forgave me. So, you know, the question is, how much do you love people? If you love them so much that you're willing to risk that relationship forever and all eternity, so that one day when they die, they can be with Jesus, then you really love them. If you're not willing to sacrifice this earthly relationship for their, uh, their relationship with God in eternity, then I would really ask you to question, how much of a friend are you? How much of a family member are you? If you're not willing to risk it all. And so this morning, I want us to think uh, of some people in our lives that need Jesus. I can't be the only one, I'm sure, that know a few folks that need Christ. I mean, uh, the years I've spent uh, going to rehab centers and uh, prisons and you name it, there's a lot of people that need Jesus. But also, the many Sundays I have spent in church throughout the country, I have met Christians that need Jesus. And so it could be on every part of the spectrum. But this morning, I really hope that you could think of maybe three people that when you leave this building, you say, you know what? I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to go to their house. I'm going to invite them over for dinner. And I'm going to tell them about a God who loves them so much that he died for them. And I'm going to take that charge seriously. Again, it's easy for me to say, I mean, I'm a pastor. What I'm called to do. But each and every one of us in this room that has been baptized, which I, I would bet is the majority of us this morning, we are called to ministry when we are baptized. So if you're called to ministry, you're called to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So this morning, uh, Let us continue to worship God. Let us continue to think of who God is calling us to speak to. Let us pray. Almighty God, we humbly come before you this morning. And and God, we know that we have not 
shared our faith as often as you have commanded us. But God, we know that you love us just as you love every single person in this world. For all of us were created in your image, God. And you love us so much that you gave us free will. And in that free will, God, you told us you must choose to love me. You're not going to force us to love you. And so, God, we, uh, we ask that you use us to be instruments of that love, that our neighbors and friends and family will come to know you through your incredible forgiveness and mercy that you gave us on the cross. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.